Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. I love, love, love our uh, scripture for today. Psalm 119. Turn with me to Psalm 119, or you'll find it on the, on the screen this morning. Psalm 119. Uh, we're going to read verses 30 through 37. We're reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. Psalm 119. We're going to begin reading with verse number 30. The psalmist writes, and he, has, he says, I have chosen to be faithful. I love that. Say chosen. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. Say determined. I cling to your laws. Say cling. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands. Say pursue. For you expand my understanding. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands. For that is where my happiness is found. My what? You know, a lot of people don't believe that, you know, they don't want to read the Word of God. They don't want to do what the Word of the Lord says because they think it's going to make them unhappy. They think that all of the thou shalt nots in the Bible are, you know, there to make us all unhappy. But that's not what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, make me walk along the path of your commands. He said, for that is where my happiness is found. Our happiness is not walking in the ways of the world, but our happiness is found in walking in the ways of the Lord. Do you agree with that this morning? And then he finishes and he says, give me an eagerness for your laws. Oh, I just wish we could just develop an eagerness uh, for the laws of God, an eagerness uh, for the word of the Lord. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Don't you just love that this morning? Father, I thank you for your uh, incredible, your uh, miraculous, your, for your uh, infallible word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that once again the anointing of the Holy Spirit, God, will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray today you'll give us ears upon our heart. God, give us ears to hear, Lord, what the word of the Lord says today. And God, may we not just be hearers, but may we also put into practice what we receive today. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, after much prayer and seeking God for direction, I am declaring the year 2017 a year of the Bible. We're going to focus on God's Word, and I, I'm going to challenge you to, to read God's Word every single day. And not only am I going to challenge you to read God's Word every day, I'm going to challenge you to ask God to speak to you through His Word. I don't want you just to read the Word because you said you would read the Word. I don't want you just to read the Word because, you know, it's the right thing to do and, you know, and you should be reading the Word. But I want you to read the Word every single day this coming year. And I want you, as you read the Word, to ask God to speak to you through His Word. And then, most of all, I want to challenge all of us to obey God's Word. Now, for the next five weeks, we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to make an acrostic out of the word 
Bible. Now, for each letter in the word Bible, I'm going to challenge you in what you should do with the Bible. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to begin, of course, with the first letter of the word Bible as we begin to make our acrostic. And for the letter B, I'm using the word believe. What should we do with the Bible? What should we do with the Bible? Well, first and foremost, we should believe it. I'm going to ask and then endeavor to answer three questions about believing the Bible. The first question that I, I want to ask and endeavor to answer this morning, that the, the question is why should we believe it? How many believe that's a valid question? Why should we believe it? And I'm going to suggest three reasons why we should believe the Bible. Three reasons why we should, we should know what it says and then we should do what it says. Well, the first reason that why we should believe the Bible is because it has been proven. It has been proven. Now, everyone has an opinion on just about every issue. And most people are more than, than willing to share their opinion. If they may or they may not, know what they are talking about. They may or may not have correct information. This usually doesn't matter to them. Because their motto is, don't confuse me with the facts because my mind is already made up. Now, I cannot speak for you this morning, but, but when it comes to something as important as believing or not believing the Bible, I need some solid evidence of its reliability. I need more than someone's opinion. I, I need more than some preacher to stand up and tell me that I need to believe the Bible. I need the facts. And one of the facts that prove the Bible is God's word is the fact that it has been proven. It has, it has stood the test of time. Many have tried to disprove it, but no one can. In fact, in fact, the Bible has facts in it recorded hundreds of years before scientists or astronomers made their discovery. Discoveries that, you know, that people claim to have made and, and, and that are attributed to them. And yet, for many of those, those were already recorded hundreds of years before in the Bible. Also, we need to understand that, 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 that the history recorded in the word of the Lord is, is correct. I'm saying it has stood the test of time. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 8 says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. There was a man by the name of Ingersoll who held up a copy of the Bible, and he said, In 15 years, he said, I will have this book. In the morgue. Fifteen years later, Ingersoll was in the morgue, and the Bible lives on. A man by the name of Voltaire said, In 100 years, he said, the Bible will be an outdated book found only in museums. 100 years later, Voltaire's house was owned and operated and used by the Geneva Bible Society. Does God have a sense of humor or what? 
And also later, 92 volumes of Altair's writings were sold for $2. And the Bible remains the number one best-selling book. Why should we believe in the Bible? We believe in the Bible because it has been proven. I'm telling you that it has been criticized and scrutinized. It has been attacked and it has been ridiculed. It has been called a collection of fables and made up stories. It has been examined under the microscope and yet no one can disprove it. No one can kill it. No one can stop it. And I want to go on record this morning as saying that I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's infallible word. I don't just believe that the Bible contains the word of God, but I believe that it is the word of God. I believe it is the infallible. I believe it is the inspired. I believe it is the unfailing word of God. But don't just take my word for it this morning. It has been proven. Why should we believe in the Bible? Another reason. Because of personal experience. Personal experience. Psalm 107 and verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them. Psalm chapter 20 and verse number 1 and 2 says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May He send you help from the sanctuary. Why should we believe the Bible? Because of personal experience. I ask you this morning, how often, how often have you been helped by God's Word? Let me tell you that nearly every single Sunday, people come to me after church, and they'll say things like this to me. They will say, they will ask me the question, Pastor, do you have my house bugged? Because what she preached this morning was exactly what I'm going through right now, and I have told absolutely no one. Pastor, have you talked to someone about me? How did you know? And of course, the answer to having their house bugged is maybe. No, it's no. (laughs) The answer is no, and I didn't know the details of their life. But I'm going to tell you that somebody did. Somebody does. Somebody knows the intimate details of your life. And because God loves you, he sends you help from the sanctuary through the anointed messenger who preaches the word of God. How many times have you needed encouragement? How many times have you needed a word from God? And in your daily Bible reading, God spoke something to you that blessed you and spoke personally to you. I've had people tell me, Pastor, while you were preaching, God healed me. I hadn't prayed for them. I hadn't laid hands on them. I had not anointed them with oil. There's a man in our church that says to me, says, he says, Pastor, he, he says that he had a bondage that was in his life that he had fought for all of his entire year, all of his entire life. He said, Pastor, he said, the first time I walked into your church and the first time that I heard you preach, he said, in the middle of your preaching, he said, the bondage that I had that had bound me for in my entire life was broken off of my life. What is that? The Bible said that he sent his word and heals them. How do I know the word of God is real? How do I know that it is right? I know because of personal experience. Why should we believe the Bible, well, because it's been proven, because of personal experience. 
And the third reason this morning is because of its power. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the word of God is alive and it's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Listen, friend, God's word is powerful. It has power to save. It has power to heal. It has power to convict. It has power to rebuke. It has power to restore. It has power to encourage and uplift and build up. I love what D.L. Moody said about the Bible. D.L. Moody was a very famous, a very successful preacher in the 1800s. He was the founder of Moody Church. He was the founder of Moody Bible Institute. He was the founder of Moody Publishers, just to name a few of his incredible accomplishments. One day, Moody was asked if he believed in the inspiration of Scripture. Now, D.L. Moody could have given a two-hour dissertation on the inspiration and infallibility of Scripture, and yet instead he simply chose to answer with a resounding Yes. When he was asked why he believed, he simply responded, "Why do I believe that the why do I believe in the inspiration of the Bible?" He said, "Because it inspires me." I don't know about you this morning, but I believe in the inspiration of the Bible. I believe the Holy Spirit, the Bible is Holy Spirit breathed. But I also believe that when the preacher is anointed by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Amen. I believe that he can give us the word straight from the throne of God. And I don't know about you this morning, that brings inspiration to my life. I want to proclaim to you today that there's no power in technology, and I'm not against technology. There's no power in the cool factory, and I'm all for the cool factory. There's no power in programs or procedures or personalities. But I'm going to tell you this morning that the power lies within the pages of God's inspired scripture. Amen. The power lies within the written word of God. And because of that, we need to read it. Because of that, we need to preach it. Because of that, we need to teach it. And most of all, we just need to believe it. I'm asking three questions today in order for us to discover what we should do with the Bible. The second question I would like to ask and endeavor to answer is the question, Who is trying to disprove it? Let me suggest, first of all, Satan. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says that the thief or Satan comes to steal. He comes to kill and he comes to destroy. Listen, Satan is a defeated foe. Satan's going down and he knows it. And so his agenda is to try and take as many people down with him as he can. His agenda is to try to steal from God's people God's word and God's promises and God's provision and God's power. In Genesis chapter 3, when God gave Adam and Eve specific instruction on what was and was not allowed, the Bible says that that Satan came right after this. And Satan said to Adam and to Eve, he said, did God really say? Did God really say? Are you sure this is what God said? Why would God say that? If God really loves you, he wouldn't withhold this this fruit from you. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9, Satan is described as a deceiver. 
See, see, Satan loves to take God's word and he loves to twist it and he loves to manipulate it and he loves to distort it. He loves to place seeds of doubt into our minds about its authenticity and about its accuracy. You see, he understands the potential that God's word has to impact our lives. So the devil does everything in his power in order to try and bring seeds of doubt and try to disprove the word and get us to doubt the word of God. Who is trying to disprove God's word? Well, first of all, Satan is. But not just Satan, but also society. Society today is trying to disprove the word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own ideas. and They will look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. And they will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. And this is exactly where America is today. This is exactly where society is today. Today, society teaches situational ethics. Society teaches no absolutes. The motto for America today is if it feels good, do it. We're told today that all roads lead to heaven and that all religions lead you to the same God. The preachers are preaching today, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's what we're told. But I ask you this morning is that what the Bible teaches? Is that what the Bible teaches? John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus said, No one comes to the Father but by me. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'm a way, I'm one of many ways. You know, Muhammad is a way and other religions and, and, you know, other people are what, you know, there's so many ways and I'm one of those ways. I'm a way. No, no, no. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm not one of many truths. I'm the truth, the only truth. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And Jesus said, no one gets to the Father. No one makes it to heaven, Jesus said, unless they come through me. You say, Pastor, that's pretty narrow-minded. We'll just take that up with God, see how, how well that goes for you. Today, society stands for everything God's word is against. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. And yet over one million babies are legally murdered in America every single year through abortion. The Bible says that homosexuality is sin, but society today says it's simply an alternate lifestyle. The Bible calls drunkenness a sin, but society says no, it's a disease. And I could go on and on and on this morning. Who is trying to disprove the Bible? Society is today. Mainstream society pokes fun at, belittles, tries to show God's word is archaic and out of date. Oh, it tells us that only the illiterate and only the shallow and the simpleton only they actually believe the Bible. Society says, oh, oh, this is the day of the enlightened. This is the day of the educated. This is the day of the informed. This is the day of the sophisticated. Society says today, you don't really believe this outdated book 
Do you? And my answer to them this morning is yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I do. Listen, let me tell you this morning, not only is the Bible not an outdated book, matter of fact, it has recorded within its pages details of future events, events that have not even taken place yet. Listen, it's not only up to date, but it is futuristic with vivid details. Do I believe the Bible? Yes, from cover to cover, I believe it this morning. Who else is trying to disprove the Bible? Well, skeptics are. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, In the last days, scoffers or skeptics will come and they will mock the truth. Oh, friend, you don't know how bad I wish that I could tell you that the skeptics are all outside of the church. But the sad fact is many of them are on the inside, and not only are they on the inside, but many of them are standing behind the pulpit preaching sermons this very morning. Even a large portion of our pastors today are doubting the infallibility and the inerrancy of Scripture. And true anointed Bible preaching is being downplayed by some today and being totally abandoned by others. I'm telling you what I'm doing this morning makes me a dinosaur. Today, pep talks and motivational speaking is replacing anointed preaching and teaching in some circles. Matter of fact, one well-known Mega pastor makes the boast and the brag. You will never, ever hear a negative word from my pulpit, he says. The problem is God's word is not all positive. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. I love the amplified version. It says preach the word. It's talking to preachers. And it says preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Be ready, whether the opportunity is favorable or is unfavorable, whether it is welcomed or it is unwelcomed. It says you, as a preacher of the word, are to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking and correcting and warning and urging and encouraging them being inexhaustible in patience and teaching. Oh, hear me this morning in light of this scripture. The popular, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, let's be politically correct, let's not ruffle any feathers, let's not make anybody mad or angry, especially the biggest giver in the church. Oh, preaching, all that many today are doing today, amen, it's not what the man of God has been called to do. If I don't make somebody mad today, if I don't make somebody angry today, I haven't done my job. If I haven't made somebody uncomfortable today, amen, if somebody doesn't become convicted in their spirit today, I have not preached the word of God because the word of God will convict, it will convince, it will rebuke, it will chastise, oh, it will encourage, it will uplift, it will bless as well. Where is the man of God today who will still declare the word of God, all of the word of God, and preach all of God's word, and let the chips fall where they lay? Amen. 
I believe that if we actually believe the Bible, we will preach the Bible, all the Bible. We will preach the positive, but we will also preach the negative. We will preach what makes us feel good, but we will preach what makes us uncomfortable. Oh, men, the men of true men of God, I believe he will preach heaven sweet and hell hot. He will preach life short and eternity long. He will preach God's love, but he will also preach about the wrath of Almighty God. Acts chapter 20, verse 26 and 27, Paul writes, he says, I've been faithful to preach the whole counsel of God. Say whole counsel. I have been faithful to preach the whole counsel of God. He goes on to say, if anyone suffers eternal death, he said, it's not my fault. He said, because I did not fail to declare to you all that God wants you to know. Amen. I'm telling you, God doesn't want you just to know the ooey and the gooey and the sweet. Oh, but he also wants you to know, amen, the other side. He wants you to know about his love, his unconditional love. But he also wants you to know that you do not receive his love. If you do not walk in his ways, if you do not walk according unto his word, that not only has he prepared a heaven for the saints but he's also prepared a horrible place called hell amen for the sinner God wants you to be informed today I'm declaring 2017 the year of the Bible I believe it's time God's people got back to basics got back to basics the simplicity of simply asking what does the Bible say about this Then endeavoring to do what the Bible says about it. Amen. You're still with me this morning? In this series, we're going to ask the question, what should we do with the Bible? Today's response is, believe it. Believe it. So far, we've asked and we've answered the question, why should we believe it? And who is trying to disprove it? Third and final question for us today is what can we do to increase our faith in it? And I want to suggest three things this morning. First thing I would suggest for you to do is read it. Well, that's deep, isn't it? I have seen pastors in foreign countries who have never had a copy of the Word of God in their own native language. And I've seen them when it has been given to them kiss it, embrace it, weep, jump, shout, run, dance. And what do we do in America? We leave it on the dash so we won't forget to bring it into the church on Sunday. Well, most of you just have it on your phone now. Read it. Psalm 119 and 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, listen, consistently reading God's word develops our spiritual muscles. Just as a lack of exercise causes our natural muscles to grow weak and deteriorate, 
Yet a regular routine of exercise produces strength and revives those dormant muscles. So it is with our spiritual muscles. When we slack off on our Bible reading, we grow spiritually weak and we become easy prey for the enemy. On the other hand, people who feed their spirit on the Word of God become spiritually strong and much harder to defeat. My challenge for all of us at the Grace Place for the year 2017 is to read through the entire Bible this year. That's my challenge for all of us to read through the entire Bible this year. Now, there are several ways that you can do this. Perhaps the easiest way is to go out and buy a one-year Bible. This one-year Bible gives you your Bible reading for each day of the year. It gives you a little bit of the Old Testament. It gives you a little bit of the New Testament. It gives you a Psalm, and it gives you a proverb. Every single day of the year is laid out for you, depending on how fast you read, but it takes about 15 to 20 minutes a day in the one-year Bible, to read through the Bible in one year. If you would just stop looking at Facebook just one time during the day and use that 15 minutes of scrolling to scroll through something else, don't tell me you can't do it. You could also find a plan on the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, if we could put the slide uh, up on this. Also, this is also listed in your bulletin. See, I'm taking all your excuses away. <laughs> or you could, you could just do it the old-fashioned way. You could just start out reading in Genesis and read straight through. Problem with this is, especially if you're not a connoisseur regularly of the Bible. The problem with this is there is some pretty heavy and very difficult reading in the Old Testament, and you could get bogged down there and, not, and get discouraged and quit. So for most of you, I would encourage you to use one of these methods. Whatever, whatever you choose, I, I challenge you, I challenge all of us, all of us at the Grace Place to read through the Bible in 2017. I'm declaring it the year of the Bible. I also encourage you to get a modern version that's easier, more simplistic to read. Some of you don't ever read anything but Psalms, and you don't even know what Psalms, you thought it was Psalms. When I was growing up in school, we had Bible reading in school. How many of y'all had that? Are you old enough to, you're lying out your teeth because I can see all of y'all know y'all. You could always tell, always tell in, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade when we had our Bible reading. And and, in my class, at least, they had the student read the Bible. And you could always tell whether they went to church or not because they would either, sometimes they'd read out of the book of Palms, read out of the book of Job. Some of you are still reading out of the book of Palms and Job. 
I promise you, I, I promise you, if you'll read God's Word consistently, I promise you that your faith will increase. And I'm going to promise you something else. It's going to be a little bit difficult. It's going to be a little bit hard at first. But I promise you that if you will stick with it, if you will stick with it, I promise you that the more that you read the Bible, man, the more that you will desire to read it. Because the Bible is an acquired taste. Amen? Acquired taste, and I promise you that if you'll begin to read the Bible, even though it might be difficult and hard to begin with, if you'll keep on, if you'll just make it, you know, I'm going to do this no matter what happens, comes or goes, I'm going to do this, I promise you it'll get easier and easier for you, and I promise you then it will become some of the highlight of your day, and you'll have an incredible, greater desire to read it. Well, what else could we do to increase our faith in the Bible? The second thing we need to do, we could, we could rebuke Satan when he places doubt in our mind. See, it's the devil's job to try and get us to doubt God's word. But it's our job to withstand him. It's our job to rebuke him. It's our job to take authority over him. When Satan tempted Jesus, how did Jesus respond to the devil? He said, it is written. It is written. See, we overcome Satan with God's written word. How do we increase our faith in God's word? The third thing, and finally, remind ourselves of God's promises and provision. Psalm 130 and verse number 5, the psalmist said, I am counting on the Lord. I have placed my hope in His Word. When our faith is low, we feed it by feasting on God's nutritious Word. We need to understand that for every problem in life, God's Word offers a promise to overcome it. And also we should learn how to pray God's Word over our situations. If I could have some help on the platform this morning. I'm going to tell you this morning that nothing lifts our spirits. Nothing infuses energy into our faith like God's word does. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17, he says, faith comes. How does faith come? He said, faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. Our takeaway for the message today is this. Number one, God's word is a treasure chest filled with wisdom and knowledge. God's word is a treasure chest filled with wisdom and knowledge. Second takeaway this morning is this, the deeper we dig into the chest, the greater the treasure. The deeper we dig, into God's treasure chest of his word, the greater the treasure. Would you stand with me in his presence this morning? Father, I just pray that you will take the anointed presentation of your word today. God, not my, my sermon, even though I worked extremely hard, spent hours and hours upon it, but I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about the true word of God that came forth in the middle of this message today. God, I pray today, God, first of all, that there will be people who will be convicted for their lack of reading your word. But God, I don't want them to leave here convicted this morning. I want them to leave here encouraged as well. I want them to respond to that conviction by, by making a commitment that this year is going to be different than last year and I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to take this challenge. Some of you and most of you are male like me that I love a challenge. 
I love a challenge. You say you love a challenge? Well, let's see if you love a challenge, because I'm challenging you. Challenging you to read this entire book this year. 15 to 20 minutes a day. You're already a little bit behind, so you need to get caught up. But let me tell you, if it takes a little bit into next year to finish, that's fine. Let me tell you something, if you get halfway through it this year, it's a whole lot better than last year. Don't beat yourself up. I'm not trying to heap condemnation on you, make you feel bad. If you miss a day, whatever, don't throw it aside. Say, I can't do it, I can't do it. No, no, no. The challenge is really not about getting through the Bible. It's about getting the Bible through you. Because quite honestly, and somebody will throw something at me for saying this, but there's some things in this book that really don't relate to you right now. I want you to read it anyway. You need to read it anyway. But I promise you, if you'll read a little bit of it every day, there's something, that's another good reason probably to read through the one-year Bible. Because there'll be some things that every, in every single, every single passage that'll speak to you. And I challenge you not just to read the Bible, but ask God, God, speak to me. Speak to me through your word. And listen, listen, don't, don't expect, you know, to receive an email from God or, you know, dancing angels around your head or, you know. But if a thought comes into your head while you're reading the word, it's probably God speaking to you. Let God speak to you through his word.